For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, our second to last of the season, we're going to talk to Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing. And later in the show, our consultant Peter Moretis is going to talk about when to incorporate uh, for both a tax standpoint, uh, for real estate, for business. Uh, we'll get into all those questions later on this hour. Uh, and Jill's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way, of course. Um, we, do, we should mention that next week's show is going to be really special, Josh, because it's uh, we're taking it outside of the studio. We are. It's uh, you know, it's it's good to get out a little little refreshing. Uh, you never know, and it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, should we spill the beans? Or I think we could yeah. maybe spill the beans okay. so later on. Later on. Okay. Stay tuned. It's going to be big. I mean, one of the one of the great Montreal entrepreneurs. Uh, well-known name. No question about it. Well-known name. Okay. So that's on the way. Uh, but first, some good news uh, for entrepreneurial news and notes. Canada adding uh, nearly 28,000 jobs in May. You know, and I would say it is it is good news, but there is a little bit of not-so-great news as part of it because, as we've heard from many entrepreneurs, Dan, uh, over this season especially, so difficult to find people. Why? Because the unemployment rate keeps dropping. Uh, it, it is it is unbelievable. I mean, Quebec is now you know just around five percent, uh, which still is super low. Uh, they uh, you know Canada added about twenty seven thousand jobs. This is after in April they added about one hundred six thousand. So when we're talking about human resource challenges, there's a reason it's tough to find people is because there are fewer and fewer people out there now. Why are there fewer people or some of them are starting their own business? There's, you know, if you dissect all the information that comes in the employment, there's a whole bunch of factors that come into play. Notwithstanding all that, it's not easy to find people. You got to start being creative out there. However you got to do it, whether you're showing your culture online, whether you have better hours, whether you have a little bit more fun, whether you you find the right right culture that stimulates, whatever you got to do. Now's the time to step up because there's just fewer and fewer people out there looking for jobs. And if you are a job seeker, uh, I guess now you have more opportunity than you would in previous years. Uh, what advice would you give to job seekers if uh, they want to you know, negotiate a little bit more or anything like that? Do you think that there's room these days to negotiate, uh, I don't know, 5 10% more salary? Uh, I, I think there probably is. That being said, I don't think the money is where you need to really look at because if you're if you're going to enjoy the money will eventually come if you are unhappy working somewhere well you know you can be paid that 5 10 15% more but you might hate going into work every day so i would say do your homework do your due diligence meet the people that you might be working with to the extent that your future employer will let you to know what kind of environment that you're going to be in don't don't put it all on the dollars and salary don't you can't downplay it you can't ignore it it's an important factor but not the be all and end all uh, some new rules for Airbnb. This is big in terms of the uh, hospitality industry here in Quebec, especially during the summer. So Airbnb, there'll be a few more rules. Uh, some uh, I would describe it as probably marginal costs for the for the rent for the Airbnb owners uh, of of places to rent out. But uh, in general, um, an effort by Montreal to uh, uh, to make sure that Airbnb doesn't shut down the hotel industry here. Well, that's just it, and and you know this. 
yes, there's a rule coming in that says starting in September, anybody who wants to rent their property for less than 31 consecutive days has to pay an administration fee. That's only about 75 bucks, but you have to register with the Quebec government that you are that you are doing this. And if you don't, it's not it's not 75 bucks. It's the penalty if you don't register with them that could be ten thousand dollars for an individual or up to twenty five thousand for a corporation. For me, this is just another, another. Uh, I don't want to say attack, but another kind of jab to the sharing economy, and. It's good and bad. I mean, it's definitely, definitely. I understand for hotels and and for the the, the bed and breakfast and that it it definitely takes up space. That being said, you know, is there enough to begin with? So, like, look at the Uber, right? Uber, you know, they 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 got hammered. There, the rates went up. So, I think that was that was good for the other taxi drivers. Uh, is it good for the consumer? Well, if there's no choice, then it's okay. But is it good for tourism? Is it good for there, there's so many questions that come into play, but there's uh, there, there's no doubt that if you are going to rent your place Airbnb and you are not going to register it, you will be rolling the dice and taking a chance that you're not going to get fined. And it's not worth it. I mean, if you have a good place to rent, you'll make money off of it. Uh, you know, and your business, you should charge tax. Uh, anyway, so entrepreneur.com, this one is interesting. Um, forget the team building exercises, how to cultivate productive teams instead. So um, what, what does it recommend in terms of getting away from those kind of trust fall kind of exercises that everyone hates? Well, it's, you know, <laughs> trust falls. You know, I can't remember the last time that somebody did a trust <laughs> fall or suggested a trust fall. Uh, certainly not with me, nor would I take them up on it. I, I think the, the the gist of the article here that I'm reading at entrepreneur.com is, I would say, geared more towards the younger generation, the millennials, the Gen Zs, and because it's it's really it's really suggesting their involvement. It's suggesting giving them challenges or challenging problems to deal with and not spoon feeding them. It's suggesting offering them real independence and don't be that helicopter, I was going to say helicopter parent, helicopter boss that hovers around and does it all. So give and respect their time. That's one thing I, I've had discussions with a, a few people lately about time. Do you clock hours? Do you watch it? Do you care more about the time than the result? And personally, I think you should care. Every employer should care way more about the result than the time. But that's only achievable if you have the ability to manage those people. If you don't have the ability to manage and manage to get the results, then yeah, your default might be, well, I got to look at the time because I have no way else. I don't have the skill set to manage people in another way. So I, I think that the message behind this uh, is really give give your people a little bit of latitude. Hire properly. Take your time in hiring. Make sure you hire that right person. But once you once you have that team around you, let them do it. Give them the right direction and, and let them go. Yes, you got to check in, but, but let them go. You, you might be surprised in what you get, happily surprised. Tonight, uh, the Raptors could win the NBA title. And um, this, uh, this, this streak they've been having has cost McDonald's in excess of $5 million. Uh, how did that happen? Uh, th- this is great. And how do you not talk about the Raptors, even as a Montrealer? Uh, okay, we're not talking about hockey. We're talking basketball. We don't have a basketball team. So I'm great. Uh, go Raptors. Uh, the North, uh, it, it's uh, it's really good. So McDonald's, as we've seen at hockey games where, you know, you have you can get a certain amount of wings, you know, if somebody, somebody scores enough goals. Here, they're saying if the Raptors score more than 12 three-pointers, you get a free fry. Well, I got to tell you, that's that's it. It definitely brings people in, and yes, they may have given up 
in excess of over five million dollars in, in in the in the span of the last uh, week or two, but they're getting people in the door. There, you know, Dan. Last week we spoke about giving away data, like your personal information. The way to get your free fry is you have to download a McDonald's app. You have to input some information. You have to so they're they're capturing data that they are ultimately going to be able to use later on. Plus, okay, you order a fry. Chances are you're going to have more than French fry when you walk in the door, whether it's a drink, whether it's a burger, whatever it is. So I'm not so convinced they're they really lost the 5.4 million that they say. I think it's a pretty decent investment, certainly in today's days where data, Internet of Things, big data is huge. Also, these media contests, you know, they're kind of risky if you're placing a bet on a current event and the, the results are unpredictable. Uh, there are actually insurance companies that will insure these crazy bets. Uh, for sure. Let, well, look at the, better get the losses a bit. <laughs> better get the losses a bit. It's like a hole in one. It's like win a car for a hole in one. Yeah. There's insurance to protect against that. And, and you know, dollars of donuts, every single golf tournament that has that, that hole in one for sure has insurance. Uh, this also from entrepreneur.com. Um, missing Game of Thrones already? Uh, I'm not, but uh, here are 10 lessons you can learn while rewatching the series. So, lessons for business. Lessons for business. From and Game of Thrones. I, I must say, I don't watch GOT Game of Thrones, uh, but. But in thinking about the medieval times, there's definitely some lessons to be learned. And I won't go through all of them, but uh, but I'll definitely mention some of them. One, hard times are coming. Eventually. Eventually, hard times will come. So brace yourself for it. Uh, this was interesting. When it's dog-eat-dog, dog, don't be at the table. Which means that if, you have, if you're out there and all your competitors are trying to kill each other, they're all, they're all you know, trying to bring each other's shows and come up with a better idea, don't necessarily get involved. Stay away. And, and let them duke it out, and then maybe you'll come in towards the end. Uh, keep an open mind about your enemies. Uh, that's that's a big thing. You know, when you're keeping tabs on competition, you, you, you never know if your enemy can ultimately be your ally. Uh, there's, there, there's so many more. I, I like this one. Adapt, adapt, adapt. And I think that's... That that's huge, and I'll end on that one because we've spoken a lot about reinventing yourself. But you can't stay static. You can't say, you, you, you can't you can't just stay still. And you know, listen. Why do so many characters in Game of Thrones die? Probably because they don't adapt, <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they don't do some of these things. So adapt, adapt, adapt. I think that's a, also a great lesson to be learned uh, from Game of Thrones. And number nine, treat your people well. I would add, don't behead your employees. That's bad for business. That that's probably not a good thing. No. Uh, today's entrepreneur on CJD 800. Our guest this evening is Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing. And uh, that is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And this evening, we welcome into studio Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing. Welcome, Jill. Thank you for having me. And Josh, a marketing company that's pretty new and has some pretty uh, big names on the client roster. Yeah, and it's it's really, you know, kind of, it's not just a marketing company. I mean, you know what? Why even start describing it? Let's just ask Jill. <laughs> Jill, so just so our listeners understand, what exactly is Rubik's Marketing? Rubik's Marketing is a consultancy that specializes in brand strategy. Essentially, what we do is we work with small to medium-sized business to make sure that their investments in marketing are actually generating a return. Now, 
you say brand strategy and we say, we say marketing and we we've talked marketing a lot on the program we've had you know a few a few agencies on here but they all seem to do a little bit different things so from your aspect and what you do individually how would you best describe what you do for the customers so what we do is we actually start out by doing a full assessment of what their needs are. So we understand exactly what they're looking for from a marketing perspective, and then we do an internal and external audit. So we analyze the consumer, we analyze the market, we analyze the competition to make sure that we have the right inputs for them. And then what we do is we actually build a full-on marketing plan. So instead of you know companies coming and saying that they need a website or they want to invest on social media, they actually have a structured plan as to why they're doing it, how they're doing it it and so that they can understand what the return is. From there, what we do um, is we help quarterback the execution. So we work with amazing partners that are really experts in their field. And what we do is we project manage it so that the amazing plan is not, you know, crumbling apart in the execution. Because So, so kind ahead. of kind of like the basically playing quarterback for the stuff that you don't do yourself. Exactly. Now, did was there a reason that you didn't start building the people around you to kind of keep filling the holes and not not necessarily use partners but build it under your own under Rubik's itself? I, I think we have the philosophy that we want to leave the expertise to the experts. And we're actually ex- experts in brand and business strategy. And so our team is really focused on exactly that. And we work with a number of different partners in each of their areas of expertise. There are a lot of really interesting creatives in Montreal, so you can get a web marketer in some cases for cheap to produce a lot of content. But like you said, it's the direction that's a bit trickier, right? So do you notice that, that there's a lot of good marketing content out there that just doesn't have much direction? There's amazing, amazing content out there. There's some really great creative stuff. But at the end of the day, a client needs to have the creativity, but it needs to move the needle as well. So even the best, most creative ideas, if they're not generating business result, the investment wasn't worthwhile. Now... Sometimes you can lead a horse to water. Sometimes, you know, you have to also educate your customers. How much does that come into play of educating the clients that you work with? You know, we're really lucky because the clients that we work with see the value in marketing and they're ready to invest. They just want to make sure that they're doing it in the right place. And so we sort of walk them through the process and we we work with them every step of the way to help them understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, And it's through that collaboration that I think they understand uh, the value. Do they... What happens in cases where you might not see eye to eye with with a customer? Like sometimes clients are insistent; they believe in this. Like I I know that sometimes we you know as a firm believe in maybe a certain direction, and when we talk with marketing professionals, say, "Yeah, that's okay, but is that really what you want to do?" So is is that a challenge for for you? And and how do you deal with that? You know what? I think what we do is I'm sort of like a nerd at heart. So I think we just base everything on the numbers. So if we're able to sort of, you know, generate a quick win or generate a small result, then we build the business case to be able to convince our clients. So now what I haven't asked you yet is, is what's your background? Like, where did you come from? This is, this is, doesn't just happen out of the blue. So my background is I'm sort of an atypical entrepreneur. I didn't grow up always wanting to be an entrepreneur. I worked for large multinational companies for like 15 years. Um, and I loved it. It was wonderful. I actually thought I was going to grow up and be the first female CEO of Johnson and Johnson. Um, but one thing—it's not I'd... too late. <laughs> There's still time. 
um, one thing led to another, and I ended up working for a small Quebec-based communications agency. And what that did is it opened my eyes to a whole world of these amazing small to medium-sized businesses who are doing fantastic things and, and really changing the world, coming up with amazing products and services, but don't have the knowledge or the resources or the know-how um, in marketing. And that's where the idea for Rubik's marketing started. R Rubik's now, you know, it's a very familiar name. So when you're when you're kind of thinking about a name, and you're a, you're a branding specialist, so was it difficult to find that name? What, what was maybe you can talk quickly about the process in, in finding it. So it it wasn't it wasn't difficult to find the name. I think you know as a branding specialist, it was important for me that our company name um, really communicate what our brand is all about. And as you might have guessed, the reason for the name being Rubik's is because of the Rubik's Cube, which is a puzzle. And so what we're doing is we're solving puzzles for businesses every day. So we had a number of different names and, you know, we, we checked all of them to see, you know, if there were any competitors out there and what were the legality and, and if the domain names were taken. And ultimately we ended up with Rubik's. Any names that's that that you didn't use that were kind of fun that you thought maybe would have stuck and did, like and did you who did you check with I mean did you kind of ask people or you were like no I kind of looked this and did my own research we had a couple that that we liked I think there was like a top three or four and I actually sent an email out to um, people who I had known from my past who either you know were in marketing or some form of communications and just sort of sent out um, an email saying hey guys what do you think starting this company give me some feedback and and based on that had the vote uh it was as simple as that you you said you you came from larger organizations and you didn't necessarily always think that you would become an entrepreneur was there an aha moment or conversely was there a moment where you were kind of scared to bits saying what am i doing <laughs> um no i'm not scared to bits um, but what I will say is it was really that moment when I was working at that communications agency where, you know, these, these amazing companies were coming in and they were willing to pay for creative and they wanted, you know, a website or a TV commercial or a radio spot. Um, and they wanted it because they thought it was a good idea, not because they knew it was a good idea and what it was going to contribute to their business. And what I found while I was working there also was that you know, they were building websites, but they didn't actually, hadn't really even defined who they are um, as a brand, uh, had a clear DNA. They they didn't necessarily understand um, the, the key messages that needs to be contributed. So even if we made the best website in the world, if you don't have a clear idea of who you are and you don't have the right key messages, it's not going to resonate with the consumer. And that's basically was my aha moment. I, and that's great. And I know you, you you said you called yourself atypical. And I know part of that is that you're a big planner. So when we come back uh, in, in the next segment, we're going to talk about your planning and business plan and how you kind of stick to it and not stick to it. And of course, the team around you and, and some of the concepts and culture that you've been able to build. Plus on the way, consultant Peter Moretis on when to incorporate. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. So my name is Dan Delmar, along with F.L. Montreal's Josh Miller. And this evening, we're chatting with uh, Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing and uh, talking about uh, the marketing business and uh, and how you do things differently. Jill, we're talking about structure and how Montreal is really like just filled with so many creatives. Uh, have you ever had a project that got too creative where you had to sort of take your creatives and 
scale them back a little bit and say, hang on, guys, it's maybe a little too much. So I never want to scale back a creative because I think, you know, creatives are born to be creative. I think our role um, as strategists is to make sure that they, the creativity is just aligned with what the objectives are. So there's 15,000 ways to be creative. We just want to make sure that that's aligned with where the client wants to go. You know, I, I, I called you I called you a name before our last uh, our last break. I called you a planner. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too derogatory, but actually very important because when we're, when we're talking about planning, you're talking about starting a business, you know, I guess my first question comes to my mind is, did you actually write a business plan? Absolutely. I wrote a business plan and, and the irony of it's not derogatory at all, but the irony of it is my business is based on planning. That's literally what we do all day, every day is we help structure organizations and their marketing efforts. We build plans all day long. So my love for planning has really turned into what I do on a day-to-day basis. As an entrepreneur, when you're running your own business, you know, the, the marketing piece is separate. As an entrepreneur, when you're running your own business, you need to learn to you know, roll with the punches and you can't be as exact uh, in your planning. No, And do you maintain it? Do you tweak it? Do you watch it? Do you adjust? Or now that you're, you know, a few years in, you're kind of like, well, no, I'm going, I have an idea. So no, we, what we do is we, we built a business plan to start with. And what we do is we reevaluate every single year. So, you know, the business at this point is two years old and uh, every year we sit down and we, we assess whether or not we reach our objectives. Did we had specific KPIs, key performance indicators that we, we look at, are we working? Are we not? And we adjust and we tweak as we go along. You, a plan is not there to be set in stone. It's there to guide you. There's a team around you. There's a small team around you. And yes, like from under your own roof and then there's your your partners. Let's kind of talk about the ones under your own roof. How do you how do you find them? How did you find them? What did you look for? What you know, when you're when you're finding as an entrepreneur, you're starting at a new business, what are you looking for? What I'm looking for is people who have, I mean, we're in the business of consulting, so I'm looking for people who have the knowledge and the skill and the experience. That's first and foremost, because obviously we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our clients. But beyond that, as you're starting a business, you're also creating a culture. And so I'm looking for people who I work well with, people who I know and and, and who I trust so many of the employees that, that I have today were people that I knew uh, prior to starting the business. So good character fit, skill, while they could and should have it, can be taught. But character fit, huge. A hundred percent. This uh, is especially true in, in my area of marketing, which is public relations. But sometimes uh, the numbers don't necessarily paint a, a full picture of how successful the campaign was. How do you talk to an entrepreneur and say, well, yeah, the results weren't out of this world, but you still got a lot of good publicity. And here's why that's a good thing. Well, I think that's a great question. I think especially in your area of PR, it's it's harder to measure. And a lot of things that we do, it's, it's a little bit easier to measure. So I think I have an easier job than you do. Um, I think also it's, it's really about defining the objectives first. So if the objective was, you know, awareness, then we want to measure awareness. We don't want to measure conversion and vice versa. So really honing in on what are you trying to accomplish and then, you know, sort of like determining whether or not you were successful based on that. Now, coming back to the people just for a second, I, I had this, this question in my head, and I know we chatted about it offline, and I, I hate the term, but I'm going to say it because we're talking about culture and we're talking about, you know, relatively young or youthful environment. Where does, I can't believe I'm going to say it out loud, work-life balance 
<laughs> fall into it. And by the way, for the record, I don't believe in the term work-life balance. Um, it's basically balancing life. But you know, I kind of wanted to get your input as you as you build your your firm and you add people to it. So I would agree with you and say that I absolutely detest the term work-life balance because, you know, essentially what a balance means is that you're, you're picturing two sides of the scale and you think that there's an equilibrium. But on any given day, there's not an equilibrium. You know, there are days where you're a better worker than you are mom or a better mom than you are a worker. What the, my approach and what I'm trying to instill and build in the company is really this idea of playing the long game. It's not about a balance. It's more about integration just integrating work into life and life into work. And as a mom and, you know, a youthful mom with young kids, as a female entrepreneur, have you mastered it? No, I don't think anybody's <laughs> mastered it. Um, but, you know, there are days where I can be at my son's Little League game and, you know, if, if they're warming up the pitcher, I'm checking an email. And, you know, there are days where I'm staying at work late and, you know, I'll be doing math homework from, you know, my office on FaceTime. So, you know, whatever it is, you just try to make it work. Now, here's the tough question, because sometimes, you know, when you're asking a specialist in their field about their own, it's sometimes not the easiest answer. What about your own marketing? What do you what is your vision of where Rubik's is or could be and what you're kind of working or maybe not working? I think that's a great question. I think, you know, we're, we're a young, we're a young business. Like I said, I, I started the business two years ago. Um, and for me, year one was really about testing whether or not this was a viable business opportunity. Um, I, I had a hunch that there was a need for small to medium sized businesses to, to structure their marketing efforts, but I didn't know. Um, so, so year one was really validating the business. Year two was really about putting the structure and um, the processes in place in order to support driving the business. Um, year three for me is more about growing the business. And that's, I think, where we'll start to invest in do marketing. You know, we're a marketing company who has been so focused on building the business and doing right by our clients that we haven't necessarily marketed ourselves yet. Do you see yourself heading towards a specific niche? I know early on, it's it's like near impossible to say no to a customer, and you kind of you know you just want to accept everything because you gotta you gotta feed feed the business. But do you see yourself heading towards a certain niche ever? Uh, I don't necessarily see us heading toward a certain niche. I think you know we work with companies that range in various industries um, from B to B to B to C. Um, but I do think that we want to find the right clients who are who we're able to really help so there might be clients who reach out to us who might not necessarily be the right fit and we're at a stage now where we can be a little bit more uh, choosy I guess about the people that we work with so we're really communicating the value have you said does that mean you've said no to a client it means we've said no to a client was that tough it was tough but it was the right thing, not only for Rubik's Marketing, but for the client as well. I, I don't want people investing, you know, in a plan that is not able to be executed properly because then they're taking their money. And, and for small to medium-sized businesses, every penny counts. You don't want them to waste it. Today's entrepreneur on CJD 800, Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing, will have her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. And next, consultant Peter Moretis on when to incorporate, when's the, the right time from both a business and real estate standpoint. So that is up next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. We're chatting with Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing, and we'll have uh, Jill's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up in just a little while. Uh, but first, tax partner Peter Mradis is here to talk about incorporation. Welcome back, Peter. Thanks, Dan. And Josh, this is a question we asked ourselves a few years ago. Um, we, I, I, I actually peppered you with several emails, maybe four or five years ago, about this issue, and uh, and, and it's 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 a it's a tough call sometimes when you're when your business is growing. Uh, when to make that jump? And, and and we really get the question often because you know we're dealing with entrepreneurs day in day out, and it's not so straightforward sometimes, and there is a bit of a number crunch. So really, you know, the, the question of when to incorporate, when does it make it worth it? And we're really talking more. As exciting from a tax standpoint, we're really kind of leaving the legal stuff aside because there's a whole other discussion points that we can have there. But we'll, we'll turn to you, Peter. And, you know, when I guess what are the first things that come to mind when an entrepreneur is thinking, do I really need to incorporate? Is it worth it for me to do so? So I, I think it's it's usually uh, primarily based around the ability for entrepreneurs to defer uh, taxes. So um, tax rates are relatively high. They go up to 50 percent for individuals. Whereas uh, companies have the ability to have a much lower tax rate on the profits that they have in their companies. Um, and I think that's where the the money that's made by the company is reinvested into the business, whether it's um, uh, spending money on, on, um, on assets or something that they need for the business or acquiring new businesses. It, it allows them to have more capital to be able to reinvest. So that's really if you're an entrepreneur and you don't spend everything you earn. Exactly. If you're, if you're a new business starting out, sometimes that's not the case and people are, you know need to live. But it, it's about figuring out what you need to live and what you're spending or not spending. Correct. You can have a very high amount of income that you're making in your company. But if you're taking it all out because you have a high uh, cost of living, there might not actually be any advantage to incorporating. So typically a one-person operation would, would not incorporate? So well, no, a one-person um, operation that was very profitable actually made sense. And that's why a lot of professionals have done it over the years and have caused a lot of rule changes by the governments because they, they didn't necessarily like high income earners to be able to defer an amount of tax. And actually one of the rules that I think is, is uh, kind of impacts Jill and other small companies that are starting up that might not have the amount of employees at first is recently... Even if you can put away some money, they've actually increased the tax rates on companies who don't have enough employees. So over 5,500 hours to be exact, but around more than three employees. So sometimes in the years where you're where you need that uh, that tax savings the most, they're actually not they're not being able to get it in the first year um, because of the Quebec rules. That's only that's only for Quebec. Though. Exactly, but it ends up making that that for somebody who doesn't have employees and takes out everything from their company, they're actually taxed at a much higher rate. So it's not just the administrative cost of having a company, but there's actually they're they're actually losing out on being incorporated in terms of the overall tax rate. And even if, you know, you start out because some people say, well maybe I won't get us I won't pay myself a salary, I'll pay the higher Quebec rate, but I have zero income and maybe I'll just take out a dividend and because dividends are tax preferential i guess it just becomes a number crunch on how much you're going to make and pull out but then if they if they if they weren't making as much you're right they'd be able to defer some money but at some point if it's a one type a one person operation they might need the money next year when they decide to buy a bigger house or something so it's always uh, sometimes you have to look at from a long term um now now i know we're talking a lot about businesses but uh, equally important, and we see we see real estate kind of 
growing leaps and bounds and, and people are like, okay, I want to invest in my business, but maybe I want to, I want that bricks and mortar. I want something that I know is going to appreciate because that's a lot of people feel that way. So when people are looking to buy real estate, there's always the question, do I buy it in a company or do I own it in my own name? So, so this is where, um, I would say if somebody has a business that's earning active income and is able to save in terms of the tax rate that stays within a company, I don't want to get into creating holding companies or all that, that more complex stuff, but yes, there's a definite benefit because you have more capital in the company. To what do you mean active? To... What do you mean by active income? So that's a good point. So active is essentially, um, uh, anything where they're actually creating a good or selling a product. Real estate, unfortunately, is considered passive unless you have over five employees working in your operation. So that's like only very large uh, multi uh, multinational companies. Um, that's a question that comes a lot, real estate, especially nowadays where everybody has, um, a lot of people end up buying three condos in Griffintown and I feel that they're running their own business uh, as a real estate uh, it's still considered passive if you're not it's, employing people. Exactly. If you don't have people managing your properties, it still becomes passive. So just because you're starting to grow in terms of the number of uh, units you have, it doesn't mean that it actually is advantageous. It's actually disadvantageous to incorporate in a situation where you don't have another operating business on the side. So for people who have a good, well-paying job and have been able to save money in real estate because they prefer that vehicle, um, generally we, it will not make sense from to have it in um, an actual corporation just held personally. Now, one of the things that always comes up with, with real estate and buying a company or not buying a company is Pretno Corporation or a nominee company. And we're not getting into the legality of it. That's not what we're talking about. But there there was something that came out recently. Correct. Like I know people hear Pretno, you think of political contributions and all kinds of maybe uh, uh, nefarious uh, transactions. But because of that, and because people have used Pretnos maybe for uh, ways of dodging taxes as well, uh, Quebec government just came out a couple of weeks ago and have requ- required that anybody who has a Pretno corporation disclose to the government the nature of the relationship, uh, the property involved, or the the like who the Pretno is is for, um, which means that a lot of basic planning where sometimes. Uh, rather than having co-owners, we usually see with Pretnos where there's co-owners, rather than having 10 different individuals being registered as the owners of the property, you would just set up a Quebec Inc. because it makes it much easier to sign a lease on behalf of everybody else or to have an operator in a bank account. But so even your basic type of co-ownership with a Pretno who owns the property, they will now have to disclose. And um, they've given a limit up to September 16th. We still haven't seen what form or what doc, what to actually send into the government, but the penalties could be up to five thousand dollars if they're if they're not submitted. So that's something that I think everybody who's an investor in real estate and deals with nominees or pretno companies should be uh, aware of. Or whatever nominee agreement is out there, not not just for that. You're right. La- la- last question, Peter, and uh, this is a question we get often, and it's kind of maybe dispelling a myth. You, whether you incorporate or whether you have your own business. Does it change the type of deductions you can have? It's a very good point. I'll tell you straight up, probably not. Um, in ge- in general, um, anything that you'd be able to deduct personally, you'd be able to deduct in a company. And a lot of people have this myth, like you're saying, that if you have a company, well, they're deducting everything. Well, if somebody is self-employed and it's an expense that's for business purposes, they can deduct it just as much in, in either type of structure. Let's dispel those myths. Thanks very much, uh, Peter, for joining us. 
And uh, as we uh, do each week in our uh, second to last show of the season, uh, we'll turn to our guest, Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing, and ask you, Jill, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? My one piece of advice is find something you love, find something you're passionate about, and make that your career because you will never feel like you're working a day in your life. Awesome. Uh, I think we hear that really often and absolutely well uh, well said, and, and, and we know it's true. And the other takeaway I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention, and that's it's the name I keep calling her, the planner, uh, mm-hmm. is is you can never underestimate the right planning for a business, uh, even even a little bit. Just don't do nothing, and I think that that's hugely important. Yeah, and marketing it can get crazy out there, but you need a plan even for creative work, even for creative work, and a plan so that you can hone and select the right partners in the creative side to keep them on track. Jill Selleck of Rubik's Marketing, thanks so much for stopping by tonight. Thank you for having me. Thanks as well to Peter Maratis, tax partner at FL, and Josh, next week, our season finale, and it's going to be a good one, Andy Nolman, about his entire career, his creative projects, his failures, uh, Just for Laughs, the whole nine yards, and we're going to chat with Andy at the Ritz-Carlton uh, Maison Boulud, the terrasse out there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, slightly insane, and great stories, I'm sure. And there'll be a web extra as well next week, so we're going to tape a little bit more with Andy uncensored and have that uh, up at todaysentrepreneur.org as of next Monday night at 7 p.m. So we'll see you then. Have a good weekend. Have a good week. Bye-bye.